Hey everyone, welcome to this week's release of the Hashrate Happy Hour podcast. Today's podcast is brought to you by our sponsor, the Texas Blockchain Council, a Bitcoin-first, nonprofit industry organization working to make Texas the jurisdiction of choice for Bitcoin mining and blockchain innovation. They will be hosting North America's premier policy conference for Bitcoin and the digital asset ecosystem on November 15th through the 17th in Fort Worth, Texas. For more information, please visit their website at texasblockchaincouncil.org. On today's show, my guest is Patrick Guerrero, and we explore a slightly different area of the Bitcoin mining industry today. We're going to be digging into the finance and liquidity side of Bitcoin mining. Patrick is the general manager of the United States for Blockgreen. Blockgreen is a decentralized lending protocol that gives sustainable mining operations access to fair and transparent liquidity from Bitcoin holders looking to participate in securing the network. They want to become the one-stop shop for the financial needs of mining operations with a strong ESG principle at heart. Patrick is coming to the conversation today with years of experience in commodities trading, where he was the director of research overseeing investments in new technologies. And he also has a lot of experience in the digital mining ecosystem. During today's show, Patrick and I talk about how, in his past experience, a traditional fund viewed Bitcoin and Bitcoin mining as a commodity, but why they opted not to invest at the time. We then dive into how the market was valuing Bitcoin mining operations and miner financing during the last Bitcoin bull run. We discuss why it is so important to have liquidity in the market and how Blockgreen is helping usher in more liquidity options for Bitcoin miners. And lastly, we wrap up the discussion talking about how people and institutions are valuing hash rate as something that they can purchase and what the future state of the hash rate derivative market looks like. As I mentioned at the top, this is a slightly different conversation than I'm used to having for the show, but I think that it's really important to highlight some of the other important areas in the Bitcoin mining industry for you guys and gals. And so with that, I hope that you enjoyed today's conversation with Patrick Guerrero. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the show. Like I said in the introduction, I'm here with Patrick Guerrero with Black Green. Patrick, welcome to the show. Hi Ben, thanks for having me. Happy to be here. Yeah, I'm. You know, I'm. I'm excited about the conversation today. You know, Patrick, we were talking right before we hit hit record on the show. Here, we were talking that our discussion today is probably going to be a little bit novel for my show. Um, I do for the show like to to kind of stick to like the energy portion of it, and I know we'll get into it a little bit with what Black Green does, but I'm I'm excited because your background has a lot of commodity trading and trading research and financing. And so I'm, I'm excited to dive into like the financing and the trading side of things with you. Um, but with that being said, I'd love for you to go through your background because you do have such a, you have a deep background and a phenomenal background that I think is going to help us kind of navigate the conversation coming up here. Well, I, I certainly appreciate the kind words, Ben. Um, my background, you know, you mentioned sort of the energy lens with which the show sort of operates and um, certainly think there is some overlap. Um, you know, we try to identify opportunities and, and areas in the market we could add some value, right? And um, hopefully, you know, in this discussion and, and, you know, we can do just that. So 
I guess, kicking things off. So I, as you mentioned, career started on the physical side of the commodity world um, for an import and export business called Gallic Global. Uh, I was there for about a year and a half and then jumped over to the financial side. Uh, I was at a long short fund called Aurelian. And I spent about six years there. We invested in commodity trading strategies. Um, and that can mean a lot of different things, um, but mainly just identifying sort of mispriced optionality in, in niche markets that were related to, you know, the energy transition. So while I started off there as a, a shipping analyst, mostly trading freight derivatives, doing a little equity research, um, about three to four years in, I really got um, bit by the electricity bug, so to speak, you know, just became kind of fascinated with the whole um, ecosystem, I guess you could call it. But um, you know, with that sort of research, the thing about electricity, it's like the more research you do, it's the less you know, you know. Um, and, and so in that, it's really exciting um, in the sense that you can really continue to push yourself. And, and, you know, that's exactly what I tried to do. And while we were, you know, investing in, in different strategies, you know, we tried to identify industries that would be the beneficiary of, of this sort of energy transition that we're in. Um, and that doesn't necessarily mean eliminating fossil fuels or anything you know like that, but just finding sort of the cheapest or most efficient electrons that are available and capitalizing on them. And I think um, you know when you work in an industry that you know is centered around investments and, and frankly performance, um, you're judged on the ideas that you have, right? Um, so while yeah. I was at Aurelian, you know we identified some really um, how do I say this, uh, beneficial trade opportunities that, you know, thankfully worked out. Um, but you know, if you don't have any ideas, it's, it's hard to, uh, to, um, be effective. So I think, you know, we didn't want to take the step into the digital asset space. Um, I did personally. So I think, you know, the opportunity to, to join BlockFi, which was in 2021, um, was enticing, you know, but I, I really enjoyed my time at Aurelian and, and, you know, the, founder there and the company sort of gave me a great opportunity and, and great exposure to natural gas markets and, and some of the, you know, managers and traders there, the Bill Perkins of the world, you know, being able to be a fly on the wall in those conversations was, um, you know, very, uh, it was a privilege, so to speak. But at BlockFi, we um, launched the minor financing business in June of 2021, which perfectly coincided with uh, the mining ban in China. Yep. Um, so walked into a situation where, you know, hash rate had come off 50% and just saw a tremendous opportunity for the United States. Um, you know, it was kind of like the golden era. I mean, it was, and it was granted it was a short era, but it was, I mean, that, that opportunity, if you were online during that, it was, you couldn't, you couldn't lose, you couldn't fail. Uh, yeah. Anyway, sorry, continue. No, I mean, you're exactly right. I think, uh, you know, people, it was right around the time also Elon Musk had, you know, sent some tweets out and it was, um, you know, people were making a fuss over it. And it's kind of like miners almost were thanking Elon Musk at that point, right? Because yeah. <laughs> the amount of hash rate that came off between that and, and what was going on in China is just a tremendous opportunity. And, um, you know, the thing about a lot of, you know, I work right now, we'll sort of get into what we're doing with Black Green, but, uh, you know, it's a European based company. And, you know, I often joke with my colleagues about sort of the American excitability that a lot of us have, which, you know, at our best is, is extremely powerful. And, you know, when sort of on the same page is 
is very, uh, you know, like I said, powerful force, but at, at times we can get divisive, right? And that same excitability can be detrimental. But I think, you know, looking at that opportunity in 2021, um, you know, I was part of a team that was told to originate, you know, source size transactions. Um, and that's exactly what we did. Uh, maybe we went a little too big in areas and made a little too much concentration, but you know, whatever happened at BlockFi, I'm, I'm certainly proud of the work that, you know, the small team that I was on, the, the work that we were able to do and, and the money that we were able to, um, generate. The only issue is, you know, um, it's not there anymore. And so whether, you know, uh, whatever happened at BlockFi is, you know, certainly, um, don't want to, uh, cast any stones, but you know, it, it, it was a situation that was disappointing in many ways, but great exposure to the industry. And I think sort of the best thing that happened at BlockFi was the introduction to the two co-founders of Block Green, um, which is the company I'm at now. It's, um, it, I, you know, we call ourselves a hash rate streaming protocol. Um, that's sort of the, the goal that we want to get to. Um, to if we're going to truly call ourselves a protocol, we have a little, you know, a little bit more work to do because right now it's a fairly centralized um, process, which frankly, I'm okay with, um, you know, especially in the early mm-hmm. innings, you know, you want to take some agency and, and, uh, you know, I, I don't know if I might get killed for this on Twitter or something, but you know, a little centralization here and there isn't the worst thing, you know, I, um, guardrails. Yeah. yeah, exactly. yeah. It's, guardrails. Uh, right. Yeah. But you know, that's, um, you know, I say that tongue in cheek a little bit as, as we certainly want to move towards a, uh, you know, a world that's, that's fairly decentralized, but, um, we are trying to inject or not trying to, we are, um, facilitating liquidity into the mining space. Um, you know, my focus is primarily in the U S and North America and South America, but, um, you know, the opportunity in the U S to sort of not sort of, uh, capitalize on, on the resources that we have something I feel really strongly about. Um, you know, I Aurelian, the fund I was at for a little while was, entirely focused on natural resources. Most of my career has been focused on natural resources. And, um, you know, while commodity markets might be uh, thinly traded or, or, you know, not present some of the opportunities that let's say, you know, some equity markets have, um, you know, we need commodities to live. Uh, and no matter how much, you know, people will throttle, let's say, you know, the, the big oil companies of the world, um, you know, they have done a tremendous amount of service for our society you know it, yeah. it's incredible uh you know we are awash with natural gas in this country um and if we were able to just eliminate some waste not even all of it right um it would just do wonders for i think human flourishing you know and again at the risk of sounding fluffy there is sort of a an opportunity here similar to the one that we saw in 2021 but even more so um to cement this industry and you know not i don't want to say legitimize because that that might be the wrong word, but, you know, sort of cement things in, in public markets and, and just uh, secure the networks. Yeah. And, and really help, help the industry mature. I think, I think what we're seeing is the, the maturation of the Bitcoin mining industry. Um, we, we have a lot of outside industry experts such as yourself. And then we, you know, a lot of energy experts stepping into the Bitcoin mining industry because they are also sitting, what I'm finding is they're sitting at the table in at a utility company and a Bitcoin mining company approaches them. They're jumping to the other side of the table to be with the Bitcoin mining company because they are, they are quickly identifying, especially the engineers, they're quickly identifying 
the energy management resource that is Bitcoin mining. And this is like, it's an infrastructure play. It's, you know, like who, it, it, Bitcoin is Bitcoin. And, you know, there's a lot of benefits to, to Bitcoin. And I think a lot of good that it'll do, you know, bank the unbanked and stuff like that. But yeah, this is just, it's just infrastructure at the end of the day for these people. And so it's exciting to see. So Patrick, I actually want to back quite a bit up. The company you were at before BlockFi, you mentioned they didn't want to step into the digital space because we're very commodity focused. Were they not viewing Bitcoin mining and Bitcoin as a commodity or or maybe touch on why they didn't want to? No, yeah, that's a, that's a great question, Ben. Um, maybe it helps to sort of give a background of the fund. Um, you know, they've been around for uh, almost 20 years now. Um, which, you know, in the hedge fund and, and investment world, this is quite some time. Um, and, you know, the strategy really focuses on mispriced opportunities, right? And, and I say that not in the sense that, you know, Bitcoin is, is fair value or anything, but, you know, when you are trading or investing, you are charging your um, limited general partners fees, um, both on performance and, you know, a management fee. And, Frankly, if we were to, um, you know, charge, let's say, you know, the traditional fund model is, is two and 20, if we're going to charge that just to buy Bitcoin. That's not exactly adding value, right? Um, our investors could have done that on their own. Um, sure. But I think when it comes to viewing Bitcoin as a commodity, it absolutely is. Um, so the we were sort of on board there, broad strokes, but, you know, risk tolerance is one thing. It really wasn't a... a a high beta or, or, you know, the volatility in, in the fund was low and that was designed that way, right? It was yep. sort of preservation capital. Um, and, you know, it was beyond the fund's risk parameters. There were sort of two trades that I identified. One was a cash and carry trade, which was executed by a lot of people in terms of, you know, capitalizing on the spread between the spot market and, and the futures market. Uh, and then the second one actually... You know, I saw someone else uh, who was in the gas space trading, but uh, you know, unfortunately, uh, was hedged or thought he was uh, mitigating risk by selling out of the money gas options, and, and it just didn't really didn't go well. But it was against Bitcoin mining and um, and a data center operations, so that sort of sparked my interest. Oh, so, interesting. Yeah, so it was very smart, and, and you know, it didn't work out. But you know, I, I'd heard about Bitcoin. This is around 2018, 2019 now, um, and then. I was in a uh, graduate school program and, and me and a couple classmates decided to buy hardware. And that was, you know, beginning of, or I'd say mid 2019. And then by, let's say just before COVID, um, you know, it really it started going down the hole. Yeah. Uh, and then, you know, when, when we were unfortunately locked in our houses there for a little bit, it was really the first time I'd, I'd forced to sort of look towards the future. Um, you know, traditional commodity markets, you know, some guys or some people look further out on the curve. Some people are sort of front month um, risk on type of allocators. And I, I certainly fell into that category and the sense that a lot of our research was, um, you know, on more economic models, I'd say, than any like, um, obviously, uh, in commodity markets, it's not as much like, you know, cash flow generating businesses. Sure. And we can talk about uh utilities and, and things like that. But um, I guess this is sort of a roundabout way of saying that, uh, you know, we looked at things more on, I guess, you know, in Bitcoin, a lot of people talk about the macro picture, right? And, and there's also a micro picture. 
Um, you know, there were industries that if you're under the camp that, you know, electricity prices are in terminal decline, which I certainly am. Um, I don't know when that happens though. So, you know, I was going to say, you'll have to, we might have to, to go down a tangent here. Cause so you think, you think electrical rates are, are, or will be in terminal decline? Yeah, that's not, that's not a bad thing, so to speak. I think, uh, no, no, I, not at I all. I hope to see the, to live there or, you know, to be around to see the day when electrons are free for everyone, you know, that'd be fantastic. Uh, and how we get there, it's going to take a lot more than just me or, you know, just the team at Black Green, which I can't say enough good things about them. Um, and, you know, there are just people in the industry that are really impressive that are all sort of working towards this. And frankly, it's a, a privilege to be a part of it. You know, I was at a, a conference in Houston not too long ago. And, you know, I don't, I don't know either of these people particularly well, but uh, one was Gideon Powell from Choya and the other one was Margo Piaz. Um, and, you know, two people who on the surface might not, you know, seem like they have too much in common, but, you know, for what it's worth, you know, the discussion that they had was so American, you know, it was just, they were listening to each other, um, sharing ideas, supporting each other, thought differently about the energy market, but just, you know, seeing those two people, frankly, come together gave me a lot of, uh, it was like galvanizing a little bit. Um, so, you know, there are opportunities and, and industries that I think are going to benefit from sort of this energy transition. And when I say terminal decline, that, that more so means just like the marginal cost of production, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. And that, that's what I was, I was interested in. I'm guessing an abundance of renewable generation will eventually like we'll eventually reach a point then where we're not pricing in the cost to build out renewable generation and we're just generating the electricity that we need. And so I, I guess I can see that boy, it's yeah, we're, we're a bit away from that. I think. Yes. Yeah. What was it? It was some, it was like 500 gigawatts of generation needed just to offset the, the instability of renewables yeah. in so. the current state, in the current state technologies will come out and that, that space will advance, but uh, that's cool. That's an interesting perspective. I, I hadn't heard that before. Yeah, it's um, you know, it sounds sort of drastic maybe at first, but you know, between what you sort of ident- correctly identified there in terms of renewable build out and you know, stranded renewables, frankly, the amount of waste that we see in transmission loss, um, you know, just but whether there's a place for renewables, there's a place for hydrocarbons. Um, you know, I certainly am not going to tell anyone sort of what to do. Uh, there are just assets that are, you know, poorly utilized, I would say. Uh, yeah. And if we're able to do that properly, there's just huge externalities that are positive for yeah. you know, so many people. Yeah, that that's cool. Um, I appreciate that perspective that that's I, I like I really appreciate unique perspectives in that. Again, I, I hadn't heard that before, but it's definitely as I start to think about it here right now. Um, I can see why that path would would be something to to talk about. Yeah, I actually. Sorry, but just no, go want, for it. I don't want to uh, ignite any of your listeners. Here. <laughs> <laughs> I know we had talked about that before the show. I, I Patrick love- said we're going to have zero cost of electricity. Uh, no, I, you know, I certainly don't fall into the camp who like tries to demonize certain energy companies. Yeah, they do a tremendous amount of service for us. So. Um, you know, say that in a, in a positive way, so to speak. Of course. No. And I, I don't think any of the, the audience will, uh, 
will walk away thinking that you were demonizing a segment of the, the generation um, industry. So no, that, that don't worry about that. Um, I I do want to just quickly ask you, and this kind of goes back to like identifying, you know, trades and, and identifying, you know, opportunities when you were with the BlockFi team, what, if you could maybe just talk a little bit and maybe super high level, but like, what was the opportunity for providing the liquidity, you know, there and, and at that time, if you wouldn't mind just touching on that a little bit. No, I, um, you ask great questions, Ben. So I appreciate you keeping me on track. Here. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. So on the BlockFi team, the financing that we did there was ASIC backed, uh, either USD denominated or BTC denominated financing. Um, and, you know, we didn't lend too, too much against infrastructure. Um, maybe we should have, maybe we shouldn't, you know, it's, uh, the machine prices that we were seeing were just extravagant. And I think, you know, would I've done some things differently? Of course. Um, but I think given, you know, what we had and, and, you know, I've definitely studied the other players in the space, whether it be the galaxies or the foundries, um, you know, once I heard they stopped lending, I, I certainly wanted to maybe look at the break a little bit. Um, cause you know, at Black Friday, we weren't essentially set up for, um, you know, the nine figure, uh, checks that that we were underwriting sure um but you know it, it like i said it was a uh, an opportunity to support some of the larger public companies in the industry which you know it's it's public information out there and, and you know i was certainly happy to do so and any you know it, i think the headlines that you see with some of the you know the bankruptcies and stuff I, I i really you know can't say um that i would do anything different from the partners that we had you know business is business sometimes and, and bad things happen, but I think the whole industry sort of learned a hard lesson about getting a little over your skis. Yeah. Well, and, and so what I'd like to move into, to who block green is. And I think this is a good transition point for us because the, the liquidity in the market and in the industry is important. I mean, it, it's, it's helpful. It, it's what is going to drive growth and adoption and expansion. And so Let's maybe go a little deeper on who is Black Green, your current employer, and, and who you're working at right now. And um, you had mentioned um, hash rate streaming protocol. So maybe give us who Black Green is, what uh, the hash rate streaming protocol is, and and what you guys are doing to provide liquidity to the marketplace. Happy to. Um, yeah. So right now we are a two sided platform, or you know, a capital market, so to speak, where miners can. Uh, list their hash rate or, or, you know, sell their forward hash or sell forward their hash rate for, you know, some discount. Um, similar to, you know, a, a music artist selling forward their records for, you know, let's say 10, 12% discount. Um, and what we have done is, you know, I'm, I'm very appreciative of, of, you know, two co-founders of the company too, for sort of their vision in the U S in the sense that, you know, bringing, capital that is offshore to us based miners is something that, you know, I could certainly bet my career on. Um, so, you know, that was, uh, enjoyable, you know, when I met them and, you know, the team that they've, that we built there is, is, you know, a testament to the two founders and, and to, you know, just everyone on, uh, you know, in our group that is certainly committed to this space. And, and, you know, as you mentioned, 
very high level, just connecting miners and liquidity providers um, to help support uh, growth and, and, you know, get some of the companies that are acting in a sustainable manner uh, through this halving period and, and hopefully set them up for a nice stretch into the next bull market. Yeah. I, it's awesome. Um, and I have to ask, so I, I understand, you know, selling forward your hash rate. Uh, it's definitely a phenomenal way to smooth out your operation, hedge your, your exposure to, to the increasing hash rate, the ever increasing hash rate. Um, I think it's one of the, the few true number go up uh, <laughs> technologies out there is the, the damn network hash rate. Uh, for those mining, you, you understand why that I say it's the damn network hash rate. But um, who is the buyer of that hash rate? Yeah, so I think it, it's, it's, again, looking at things at a high level. So I, and I might get this number wrong, but I, I think it's over 50 or 60% of, of Bitcoin didn't move, maybe even higher than that in you know the last 12 months. So I think Bitcoin holders or, or you know, I don't like this term, but Bitcoin whales, um, you know, want to see more liquidity in the market, right? Because there, you know, there are different ways people can view Bitcoin. And, and again, it's not my place to tell anyone sort of how to view it or, or what to do. But, you know, I certainly, and I think I can speak for the other members of our company as well. You know, we don't want to see a world where people have their Bitcoin in cold storage with spam and, and ammunition in like a bunker. You know, that that's not the world that we want to live in, or it's at least it's not the world I want to live in. So, you know, we have to push ourselves and, and try to build new products and new applications. And, you know, now's the perfect time to do so. It's literally the, you know, the worst mining market in our sort of short history here. Um, but, you know, there are a lot of people who have been in the industry a lot longer than I have that, you know, have absolutely no fear. So it's easy to, um, you know, sort of align with them, whether it be competitors, clients, partners, um, whatever it is. And, and, you know, at Block Green, I think we've sort of found our niche in the sense that, you know, we have a track record and, and have been able to identify, you know, partners that are interested, A, in injecting liquidity into, you know, U.S. miners and, and you know, that also miners in different countries. But, you know, we do have a focus on the U.S. And, you know, we are fortunate to have discussions with miners who, you know, I would very, I don't know, I don't want to say anything uh, in terms of like the public space to uh, say, I don't want to like fire up the Reddit crowd, right? But, you know, these, some of these public companies are really <laughs> strong. Yeah. And, you know, they, they, they pass the sleep test, so to speak now. And, you know, I, earlier in our discussion, I said the legitimacy of them, and you know, it's far beyond that, I think. You know, you look at some of the uh, public miners who, you know, represent a pretty small amount of total hash rate, right? Um, not many. It's sort of like the shipping industry in a weird way where, you know, a lot of the fleet is private. But those who are public, you know, I think it, it just is a good symbol of transparency and a good way, frankly, for retail investors to get exposure to mining. Um, but, you know, exposure to hash rate is a, is a tough uh, road to navigate, I guess, because, you know, a lot of the public miners uh, recently, the liquidity has been pretty good, actually, in terms of volume. Um, but a lot of the public guys are, are thinly traded. And, um, you know, we don't want to see a situation where they have to dilute their shareholders. Um, you know, there's it's tough to get sort of in and out for larger institutions. So we just want to give another um, road or, or, you know, have another rail of which uh, institutional investors can um, have or increase their hash rate exposure, generate some Bitcoin yield um, and, you know, support the network while they're at it. 
We'll be right back after this message from our sponsor. Support for this episode comes from Sunnyside Digital. Are you ready for the next Bitcoin bull run? Get ahead of the game by building out your Bitcoin mining infrastructure now. Sunnyside Digital is your one-stop shop for everything Bitcoin mining, from transformers and switchgear to racks and miners. With a white glove approach to understanding your needs, they'll provide you with the hardware you need at the most competitive pricing possible. Say goodbye to your sourcing headaches and say hello to Sunnyside Digital. Contact their sales team today at sunnysideinc.ca or via email at sales at sunnysideinc.ca. All right, now back to the show. I think that that was really well said. And I, when it comes to valuing that hash rate, so I know the seller of the hash rate selling at a discount, that makes sense. You know, you're, you're locking in a, a value on that hash rate. So you're going to sell at a slight discount. The The buyer on the other side is then also hoping to be buying that discount and, and capture that spread. Are you guys projecting, you know, what that spread can be for the, the, the buyer of the hash rate? Or are these groups, institutions, retail buyers, are, are is it on them to say, okay, this 10% discount on the hash rate that I'm buying, I you know have a pretty strong likelihood that the network hash rate isn't going to rip 30% in the time that I'm buying this hash rate. So is that how they're looking at it or are there other ways to be viewing viewing this? Yeah, so I think there, there are multiple ways to, to look at it. We certainly try to look at things with multiple angles. Um, we're under sort of the camp, as I think most people are, that you know over time we're going to see hash rate increase. Um, with periods of capitulation, you know, here with any non-systematic events or, um, yeah. you know, black swan events, so to speak. So um, the way we sort of value things is very conservative. Um, but, you know, I mentioned at the end of or at the beginning of the conversation, we do see a world where people are coming to our platform. And there's sort of a, a true bid ask in terms of what, you know, the rates will be or, or what the um, discount or, or, you know, projections will be. Oh, so the market's going to figure out that discount rate. Exactly. Right. <laughs> so I got it. I got yeah, it. Yeah. You know, we, the, you know, people say, how do you price things or, or you know, what are people going to, or what's the cost of this? And, and the answer is usually the cost or the prices, you know, what someone else will pay for it. Um, so, you know, it's, there is a, uh, you know, a method behind our, um, analysis and, and, you know, we have pretty, uh, extensive product conversations and, and, you know, a very talented team on the engineering side that, you know, has come up with a MLI model. Uh, you know, it gets better every day, but by no way is it perfect. And by no way do we have the answers or can we, you know, if, if I knew where hash rate was going, I don't know if, no. And I'm sorry, what, what type of model did you, you said there was a, it was a what? Machine learning. Machine learning model. Oh, Okay. So way smarter than me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, very cool. Yeah. Cause you know, I, as I put together my own mining operation, you know, I, I really did put my first or my best foot forward in terms of like modeling this out. And the, the biggest piece to that is modeling the, the direction of the network hash rate. Um, and I, I just tried to put three bands on it, you know, mm-hmm. worst case, average case, best case, and, right. and, you know, hope, hope that I can bounce around in between those bands as far as 
where the hash rate's going. Um, advance. No, I, I couldn't agree more. And, and I'm, I too am a, a pleb miner myself. Uh, and you know, it's a situation where forecasting hash rate is not something that, you know, I am going to claim to have an edge in, uh, but yeah. how you sort of mitigate risks around the hash rate situations. I think that is something, uh, that our company is sort of able to add some value in, in the sense that, you know, I, like you said, I think it's great to look at sort of a, a tri-pronged approach. Um, I tend to always think of things in the worst case, um, and just try to avoid it. You know, it's, yeah. um, some things are unavoidable. They're going to be bad. They're, you know, unfortunate things that happen in business and in life, but, um, you know, you do your best and, and, you know, certainly if things go in a direction that isn't favorable, you know, at least you, again, can sleep all night. Survive. Yeah. Just, just survive. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. I mean, it's, it, it really is just, you know, survive and stay alive and, and don't get, don't get taken out. Um, that, that is definitely how I, I kind of model and plan and, you know, view my investment strategies. Um, so I, I am curious the, the, so now on the, we talked, we just talked a lot about the buyers of this hash right now on the flip, the sellers, what, what type of protection do the buyers have? If let's say the substation transformer at a site goes out 200 megawatts, snap of the fingers, it's all offline. It's going to be a long time till they can get a replacement sub transformer out there. What happens? No, it's, it's another great question there. Um, you know, our agreements, the counterparties face each other directly. And, you know, should that happen, there are mechanisms which are on chain, um, which are, you know, collateral uh, for the buyer of the hash rate. Um, you know, should there be like a tornado or, or you know, natural disaster, we have insurance in place um, to or, you know, that's one of the prerequisites. So, you know, something okay. like that, I think would be covered if there's like an explosion, anything like that. Um, I think the worst, you know, scenario for, um, let's say a buyer of hash rate is if, you know, the seller essentially just turns off, you know, and, and you don't hear from them, which I suppose is, is certainly possible. Or, you know, I don't suppose that that's absolutely possible. But I think just, you know, those who we choose to partner with, um, you know, we like our chances in terms of, uh, you know, the corporate or their credit worthiness. Yeah. And, and from what I understand, and I'd love for you to expand on this, you guys do quite a bit of vetting of the, the hash rate providers and those partners that you guys are working with. Um, maybe, maybe talk to that a little bit. Yeah. It's a little exhaustive, frankly. And I, I hope I didn't, you know, <laughs> yeah. maybe tick some people off in the industry asking too many questions, but, um, you know, it's just part of the, um, part of the business. And I think that there's only really, you know, you mentioned something before in terms of, you know, firsthand or physical uh, experience, I think. And, you know, hearing that uh, you're a miner yourself, you certainly, I think would appreciate this in the sense that there's really only one way to be an expert in something and it's, you, you have to do it. Um, you know, at, when I was at Aurelian, I was approached by a, an absurd amount of investment banks you know, either whether it was representing oil and gas companies or, or, you know, shipping companies and the banker had never been on a ship or they'd never been to an oil field. And, you know, you really just yeah. can't, and it doesn't make investment bankers bad people at all. It's just like, you know, you really can't um, claim to be an expert or something unless you've done it. So I think that's, you know, at Block Green, um, you know, we have hash rate live um, in Canada. Um, and 
you know, that's a, a I guess a, a long way of saying, you know, the physical background and, um, you know, the ability to, to execute on sort of the operations are just invaluable and just couldn't be more important. Yeah. Oh, that's, that's, that's good to hear. You absolutely have to go kick the tires yourself. You have to try this stuff yourself. I mean, that's, I'm a hands-on learner to begin with, but yeah, I'm definitely a believer of you really have to get your hands in there and, and, you know, work on these things. If, if you're going to, especially if you're dealing with other people's money, (laughs) yeah, that that's, that's huge. Um, so I'd love to maybe talk about, you know, there are other people in the market that have things like tokenized hash rate or, um, there's other products that, that get, you know, kind of close to what you guys are doing, but why did you choose not to tokenize if, if you can maybe go that, that direction for a little bit? Yeah. Um, you know, I think just at a very rudimentary, I don't mean this to be facetious at all, but you know, we didn't have to, it, you know, we can, we can build the infrastructure and, you know, provide the rails that, you know, facilitate liquidity to miners in the U S you know, how we sort of um increase maybe liquidity on our own protocol by that's you know what would we would essentially benefit from a token but right now i think you know we want to move quickly but you know we don't want to rush um so is that possible down the road sure um but right now i think you know it's best i, I tend to have a little bit of blinders on sometimes anyway when, when working on projects i don't know if i can handle too much at one time but yeah um you know that's definitely something we've talked about um but, you know, right now it's just focusing on closing some of our uh, earlier transactions here. You know, happy to say that we do have, you know, live transactions on the platform and, um, you know, things are, are moving along. Don't want to put the car Great. in front of the horse or, or you know. Yeah. Yeah. Us yet, but, you know, we're getting there brick by brick. Yeah. And, and don't, 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 don't get really fancy with it. You know, don't, don't overcomplicate it. Don't dress it up in a token where you got gas fees and yeah, it's, uh, it's cool. Um, I, I appreciate the simplicity in that. No, no, many thanks. And, uh, I think, you know, the thing I might've left out is that we really want to keep this Bitcoin native. Um, you know, it's built on Bitcoin. There's no bridge. Um, you know, there are no sort of, um, other chains or, or, you know, this is a, a Bitcoin business. And and that hash rate quite literally gets directed to the buyer's wallet, and I mean that, that there's no other platform or or interface other than the hash rate going from the pool to their to their wallet. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's very well said. I think you know we we have uh, mechanisms in place with pool partners, and we do have a custody partner as well, um, which I think will be announced shortly. Um, and then we'll also have a self-custody solution in the next couple of months. Um, so that's, you know, we, we try to make this, like you said earlier, um, you know, a simple product, which I can certainly appreciate in the sense that, um, you know, boring isn't a bad thing, you know, <laughs> hopefully we can create a really boring product and, and service the industry, um, you know, at a very high level. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I am curious to, so go, this is going back to like your, your, customer base, um, and, and customers on the selling side of this, you know, we, I have quite a few people on the show that have come from the, the power and utility space. And then, you know, some that are still at the power and utility, you know, companies and, and everyone's starting to talk about vertically integrating mining operations at a utility company. 
do you guys see a fit for the black green product for a utility company that's like, man, we love this as an energy management tool, but yeah, we're not taking Bitcoin on the balance sheet. That's <laughs> no, it's, you know, you raise a great point. I think I absolutely see a world where, you know, utilities are, are capitalizing on, on Bitcoin mining and, and the monetization of, of electrons, right? It makes so much sense. Um, you know, if there's anyone in, in, you know, of your listeners that are there and, you know, want to sort of talk about that, I'd be happy to. Yeah. Now, currently, you know, in the essence of transparency, not having active discussions with utilities in the U.S. Um, would love to. And, you know, hopefully can stick around long enough to, to see the day where that happens. Yeah. Yeah. I, I just, well, I think it's such a an awesome product all around. I mean, for all the reasons that we've already covered, but, you know, then you start to look at, again, a mining company that doesn't want Bitcoin on their balance sheet because it's, that's too risky. And they're, you know, they're either private or a public utility company. And now they can, they can build out an energy management tool in their portfolio, not even need to bother with like hosting. So you don't even need to build up a a super large team to manage this thing other than just to get the operation running and running smoothly. Um, and then you just forward sell all your hash rate. Exactly. And, yeah, yeah. It's cool. No, it's, you know, I certainly am happy that, you know, it seems to be clicking with you and, and hopefully, you know, uh, more people in the industry, not just can identify with Block Green, but, you know, some of the companies on the energy side, you know, growth companies, whether it's a Giga or Vespine or, or someone like that, they're just really good businesses, you know. And I think we see a world where, you know, the mining space, I think the bigger players are definitely going to have an advantage to, to a certain extent. Um, but there is certainly a place for, you know, the smaller, nimble miner that, you know, has has good growth ideas and, and potential. And, you know, I'm just really excited to see where the space sort of heads in the next three years. Yeah, absolutely. So you're you're moving in the direction I was planning to go next, you know, looking to the future and and as we start to kind of wrap up the the discussion here as well, walk me through what the big picture is for Black Green. What do the next two, five, ten years look like for you guys, and how you guys see yourselves playing in the space? Yeah, that's a tough question, man. <laughs> I'll do my best to tackle it, but um, <laughs> you know, I think short term, um, you know, it's really not the the miners' job to educate themselves on us, right? We're the seed stage sort of company that, you know, we need to, to prove to the market and, and to our partners that, um, you know, we're more than just an idea. Um, sort of the, the proof of concept idea or stage for us is, is somewhat over and since we're ready to go. So, you know, happy that things are moving along. But with that said, we, you know, we don't want to rush. So I think, you know, in the best case scenario, uh, we're able to support some of the more well-run miners over the next two years. and and you know, hopefully we're a big reason why a lot of them are profitable businesses um, post having. Um, and I think, you know, there is really no limit to this industry, which is just super exciting um, in the sense, where are we going to be in five years? I re- I have no idea. <laughs> you know, I, I know where I think I want to be um, and maybe I should manifest that or, or maybe I should keep it to myself. But I think uh, you know, th- there, are, there are a lot of just exciting uh, opportunities on block green in terms of, you know, future, uh, revenue streams and, and, you know, future 
uh, like I said, rails and, and sort of the, the digital asset space. And then, you know, just in general, um, you know, if you asked me five years ago, if I was going to be uh, financing miners or, or, you know, facilitating offshore liquidity to U.S. miners, I, I would have told you you're absolutely insane. Um, but, you know, the next five years, hopefully uh, have more surprises, uh, hopefully a little less volatility, though. Yeah, I imagine we'll have plenty of volatility and, and yeah. along with all those surprises. I'm in the same boat, Patrick, to be honest. I Five years ago, if you'd asked me, uh, no. I mean, it, this was not a, a future I would have envisioned them. I'm so excited. Like, I, I have a hard time ending work for the day, which is a new experience for me. <laughs> you know, I, I have a hard time yeah. stopping the work because I'm so excited about everything. So yeah, it's fun. It, it's exciting. It's fun. I'm, I'm so pumped to see what the future brings. Um, yeah. No, I, I couldn't agree with you more. And I think, you know, it's, it's easy to get maybe there to, to think that people might sort of burn out in the sense that, you know, this is not an easy industry to work at all. Um, but I don't think many industries are easy, right? It's, it's not easy to be a fireman. It's not easy to be a teacher. It's not easy to be, um, you know, someone taking a, a ton of risk at, at, at a front, it's, you know, there, there are challenges at everything, but I think the interesting thing about this industry is that, you know, everyone's, no one has to be here, right? That's I mean, right. We, we do like, you know, we need as many in, curious minds as, as you know, we can get, like, we, we certainly need people, but you know, nobody's dad or nobody's grandpa or whatever worked in Bitcoin mining, right? Everyone's here because they want to be here and, and, you know, someone I really look up to in the industry said before, you know, you don't need anyone's permission to change the world. Um, and it's just really exciting to, to be a part of an industry with people like that, right? You know, whether I can do it, I don't, I don't know if I'm the man for that job, but, you know, certainly going <laughs> to do the best we can and um, yeah. you know, have a, a quiet confidence that I think a lot of people in the industry share and, and just enjoy going to work in the morning. Yeah, absolutely. It's, uh, it's, it's super exciting. So Patrick, I'd love to to give you a little bit of time here at the end to to give a handoff to the audience. I do want for for the listeners in the audience who are interested in block green and, and what you guys are doing um, from any avenue to be able to get a hold of you guys. So please give a handoff to how can people get in touch with you, find block green, um, et cetera. Yeah. Um well, again, just appreciate you having me on and for the enthusiasm that you sort of bring to the space. I mentioned, uh, you know, we need as many curious minds as possible and, and you know, you show them one of them. So keep doing what you're doing. I think um, as it pertains to Block Green, you know, we have our, our website, which is pretty simple. It's just block.green. Um, you know, we have a newsletter that we distribute every week. Um, you know, if you're a miner, we'd love to chat. Um, if you're a liquidity provider, please give us a call. Um, but I think, you know, the best place for me is probably on Twitter at P-A-T-T-G or P-A-T-T-Y zero G. Um, and yeah, I think that's pretty much it. I just encourage anyone listening who may not be in the space or, um, you know, might want to dig a little deeper to do just that. Um, you know, like we said, there it wasn't that long ago that we weren't involved in the space either, right? Yeah. So I think right around probably yeah, it's probably around four years ago, you know, I started maybe listening to a few podcasts, listening to a YouTube video here or reading an article there and, and just really encourage everyone, you know, to do that because I certainly learned about this industry from those who came before me and, and hopefully we can all do that for those who come after us. 
Yeah. I appreciate the handoff, Patrick. Um, this conversation was awesome. And and I really appreciate being able to to take a look at a couple of different areas in the, the Bitcoin mining space. So this was phenomenal. Thank you for the kind words at the end as well. Um, I, it, it's always wonderful to, to chat with you and look forward to doing it again in the future. And uh, yeah, you take care. I appreciate it, Ben. It was a pleasure. And, and thanks again. 